You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. What's happening, everybody? It's Matt. I am back from Bali, Indonesia with Under 30 Experiences, our travel company for young people. We take 21 to 35-year-olds all over the world to experience a little bit something special in your life. And uh, that is our platinum sponsor, as always. And today we have a very special announcement to make. Uh, Chris the Kiwi is our guest today, and he is one of our newest sponsors of the Live Different podcast because we're all about peak for peak performance, health, and nutrition, and uh, just living every day to the fullest, Chris hooked me up with his product called Athletic Greens, which is a uh, basically a green drink that you can bring in packets anywhere in the world. He hooked our whole staff up at Under 30 Experiences. It helped us recover from jet lag. It helped uh, us keep our guts in check uh, for going over to, to Bali and dealing with all these different foods, has a lot of pro, different probiotic um, enzymes and, and stuff like that. You guys will hear much more about the product, of course, during the, during the podcast, uh, but today's podcast is sponsored by Athletic Greens, keeps you healthy, keeps you ready to go and tackle any challenges, especially if you're getting off of plane. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit more about how to recover from jet lag and stuff like that and just overall peak performance with Chris. But uh, Athletic Greens is our newest sponsor of the Live Different podcast and the special offer for you guys, 50% off your first order of Athletic Greens. And if you want that link, it is in iTunes in the show notes. It can be found on under 30 C. .com. And of course, it can be found on our mailing list uh, at under30co.com. So if you are signed up for that, you will get this as well. But uh, yes, now on to our regular scheduled value added content. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Live Different podcast. I am here with Chris Ashenden, Chris the Kiwi, as you are commonly known, and Chris, you are hiding out in a uh, remote part of South America, as you, as you tell me, and you are the founder, the founder of Athletic Greens. So I'm pumped to uh, to have you on the show and talk a little bit more about health and performance and travel and all the good stuff we talk about on the Live Different podcast. Uh, Matt, thank you, mate. So good to finally connect with you, mate, and thank you very much for having on your show. I am indeed on a treadmill desk in a secret location in South America, living the bandit lifestyle. It's outstanding. I like it. I like it. Are you actually at a treadmill desk? Yeah, man. Um, can you hear that? I now, can, I can now hear tread, it. I'm treadmilling a little bit faster, but um, you'll find other, you start hearing too much thudding, man. I'm, a, I'm not a little dude, so if I start walking pretty fast, it gets noisy. But yeah, I am on treadmill desk. I highly recommend them, by the way, if you haven't ever got one in your office. Huh, that's uh, that's pretty cool. As as always, we bring on interesting people with a lot of. Ha I mean, I I feel like I have the weird the weirdest habits of them all. But uh, I have not tried out the the treadmill desk. I am at the standing desk. I mean, I'm literally just sitting, uh, or standing rather, at a bar type table where I can just be more upright. And it's not you know it's not perfect, but uh, it gets me off of my ass, yep. I guess, as you could say. But yeah, you want to tell us about the, the standing desk? I'm curious what the benefits are that uh, that you found. Well, sure, mate. You obviously read a lot and explore a lot. And like living a high 
quality of life. And in your in your case, I applaud your efforts to have a stand-up desk, regardless of where you are. I try to do the same. It might mean I'm stacking a lot of telephone books on a kitchen table if I'm staying somewhere I don't normally. But in my own place, I started to find that when I worked the majority of the day standing, and I just felt a lot better. And I slept better, and my legs felt better. When I went to the gym, I needed less time warming up. I lifted more weight. I ran faster. And generally, life was better. So I just extrapolated that a bit and went looking for other options beyond just moving. So at the, at the minimum level, you should probably move between, say, a sit-down desk to a Swiss ball to a standing desk. Say, minimum, when you want to take it a bit further, you can go standing uh, as long as you change your position frequently. And then one level beyond that would be a mixture of standing and, and walking. So I find for calls, such as this one, I actually think a lot better and feel a lot better um, on a standmill desk, uh, on a treadmill desk. And you don't have to do the expensive one. Uh, I just ended up buying what the best that I could find, which is a lifespan sort of uh, treadmill desk. I think it was $1,600, but uh, it's pretty cool. Like once people start playing with this puppy, you've got you to you arm wrestle them off. That's, uh, that's pretty cool, actually. I, I wanted to ask you, uh, maybe it's just the fact that you're in South America or just your nature being a, a worry-free guy, but as I stood up at the standing desk, you know, I, I, sometimes I like to sit down for, for calls. We're doing this on Skype. Uh, sometimes I like to be standing up, and I try to sense the energy of the other person and... Uh, but you've got the laid back, you've got the laid back, I, usually people tell me that I'm laid back, uh, but you've got the laid back vibe going, so I almost considered sitting down and relaxing a little bit more uh, just to take the call, but it's amazing to me that you're actually on a, a treadmill right now and you sound that calm, cool, and collective. And it's probably because I'm on the treadmill right now, I think, but I, I, I can sincerely, I can promise you that it, don't, don't try to do high-speed writing tasks when I'm moving treadmill desk unless you're walking very slowly. Don't try to read when walking, uh, unless walking very slowly. But you can kind of crawl along at a walking pace and pick up. By the time you get to 10 to 15,000 steps a day, uh, either like in life with a stand-up desk or in work uh, on a walking desk, I think most people will start to notice just fundamental changes in physiology. And... You can change your happiness and your state by adjusting your physiology as anyone who's ever seen Tony Robbins on stage can testify because I think he's the king. He's pretty much the king of that. But just even at a lower level, man, like just, just moving like this, I feel a lot better. And way back in the days when I was a young buck trying to figure out how to sell things on a phone, like by phone, I found I did better walking, actually, for the phone call. So Yeah, no, I can, I can totally agree. I'm, I'm standing here and... Uh, I'm barefoot because I like the I like the barefoot lifestyle and just uh, re help that helps realign my posture, etc. We've got a soccer ball just kicking around and it's just your body's just moving. Or once once in a while, once or twice a day, I'm not afraid to get down on the on the ground or touch my toes a couple times or just stretch it out. Even on on the call, just putting my hands over my head and uh, just doing little stretching exercises. I mean that really helps. People, awesome. not only your physical body stay loose, but relieve stress and uh, not be cramped up all day. So I, I completely agree. Awesome. Well, mate, kudos to you, man, because I think, I think that is a great thing to try to coach your listeners and how to really just fundamentally change their, their quality of life. So two thumbs up. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, Chris, do you want to tell us a little bit more about your business and Athletic Greens and uh, fill us in on your story a little bit? 
Sure, mate. I mean, unfortunately, I'm no longer in the under 30 club. I know you have a, a website uh, on the under 30 CEO. But, mate, a, a long time ago, I realized I wanted to live life on my terms, and I studied actually um, sport exercise science at university and uh, enjoyed it and then didn't have a business in the health and fitness field until I ended up um, getting sick. And I, I did a lot of personal training, did a little bit of coaching, but my main businesses were were in, were in other areas, finance, real estate, at, uh, primarily. And um, I got sick despite probably doing 10 hours reading a week on, on nutrition and exercise and always having a minimum of two to four clients a week. I was, I'd use these guinea pigs for want of a better term. And I got very, very sick. And I ended up in a clinic in Phoenix uh, for three months getting IVs every day with them testing every element of my blood, stool, urine that you could think of and then coming to me with some pretty shocking numbers like Chris do you eat vegetables and I say hell yeah and they say because you have sort of selenium in the sixth percentile and do you eat meat and I was like like my idea of a proper meal is pretty much half a cow and they said I said why and they said because you have amino acid levels in the 12th and 14th percentile for some key amino acids and what was happening was um I, my GI, my GI tract, my gastrointestinal tract was so inflamed and so messed up that my body was largely incapable of absorbing the nutrients that I was eating. And it had allowed a couple of travel viruses to absolutely kick my ass and just put me in this chronic, inflamed, sick, beaten up state. And um, I ended up getting a lot of IV treatments, trying to put nutrients in directly into my arm. Uh, trying to kill said viruses, and it really made me look again really hard at what I was doing from a health and fitness standpoint, where I thought I was actually doing the right thing. And I mean, I looked pretty good, but I mean, I was a world traveler, I had a couple of businesses going on, and I thought, well, I need to go back to, to ground one, you know, sort of ground zero and start again. So I really started reading a lot from different, uh, different thinkers in the nutrition space, and at the same time, this clinic ended up putting me on a customized my biochemistry $100 a day uh, supplement regime, which all came in these little individually wrapped beautiful packs. It was a shit ton of pills, man. And all I was doing, um, I definitely felt a little bit better, but all I was really doing was um, having very expensive fluorescent urine. So I, as my reading evolved and continued, um, I adopted basically a, a modified template of the paleo diet. I became good friends with a guy called Rob Wolf. Uh, I was a big proponent of that, and um, I went looking for a natural, healthy, non-synthetic for format for making myself feel superhuman again, and I managed to do that through putting together about four or five different products, and it started to work pretty well, and then as my former business got wiped out by the financial crisis, um, I was like, well, I, I'm going to start again. I want to start again with something that makes me genuinely happy and which I'm passionate about, and I had other infinitely more profitable and higher margin sort of business opportunities available to me. But I pursued the one which I was most passionate about and um, got some pretty serious investment and just, you know, went for it. And in the end, it's been uh, a lot of criticism for trying to launch a company with such low product margins. But, mate, we've done it on, on my terms. The people I work with are amazing people. The people uh, we try and help with our product and education are amazing people and I think I head off the you know do what makes you happy do it with people that makes you happy and do it in a manner uh, that makes you happy and do it for people and and then, you know, those people should make you happy as well so I'm very very proud uh, we're not the largest company in the world we've grown we've doubled every year basically since 2010 but um, it's very much driven by my fundamental tenement which was I've, I've made myself miserable 
largely through my own uh, choices in my life a couple of times, and this, this time I was just going to make it like literally a focus on happiness in terms of how I structured the business, how I structured my life, how I've enforced priorities to everyone on the team for what would drive their long-term happiness, and also just a dedication to this time myself to this product and a couple of ancillary products, but I mean 95% of our revenue is literally um, repeat business on one product, which is both amazing and technically a threat to our longevity. But, um, mate, it's literally just grown, uh, despite me, into a nice-sized uh, business. And, I mean, we've got tens of thousands of people around the world who who merrily sing our praises. And I think that that sort of the focus on building long-term uh, value both for our customers and have customers that are, have a long-term lifetime customer value as opposed to a very short, sharp, sweet sort of 60 or 90-day profit margin, despite the early criticism, has, has really paid off for us. And that's sort of our focus now, man. And I love my product. I'm the worst person to ask about it because I'm extremely biased. But, um, I mean, you've taken it. I mean, give, give us your two cents, Matt. What do you think? I am traveling all the time, and it's hard to get your it's hard to get your greens. I mean, basically, this is this is how I would would put it. It's hard to get the right type of supplements, and um, yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll I'll get my hands on anything that I can that I can take that's going to make me, as you said, superhuman, or at least better than the version that I am uh, currently. And so, yeah, if that's if this stuff is going to get me. Uh, give me more energy and keep me healthier and be able to allow me to do this sustainably, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. And in any practice, it doesn't just have to be a, a super superfood cocktail if it means standing at the standing desk because I'm not going to be hunched over when I'm 75 years old. Well, that's, that's part of the goal. Um, and so, yeah, I, I completely agree, Chris. I love it. Awesome. Well, thanks, man. I mean, we, I built that as the the everything, the all-in-one for active people, right? And I, it was quite hilarious because you obviously have a dynamic uh, listenership and they're probably relatively young and doing interesting things. And I thought, well, this is my type of crowd, right? Young, active people uh, living dynamically. They want to make sure that they're covered, say, from a nutritional insurance standpoint, which basically means nothing's falling through the gaps. And they want to feel energetic and they don't want to get sick much because that has never made anyone happy that I've ever met. So we did all that. And then realized that we'd pigeonholed ourselves with a name that tied us for active people and was a we we're a greens-based product, but we're very different kind of to most greens, and that we're not just a heavy concoction of grasses. We really load it with herbal extracts, which is where the expense comes in. And um, I remember having this conversation um, with a friend of mine uh, called Timothy Ferris, where I said, Hey man, I, I've realized I have to change the name because we've fucked myself one of a better term. I put ourselves in a pigeonhole. And he said, don't change the name, man. I love that stuff. I put it in my book, and it's just gone to print. And um, it's interesting, man. So, I mean, I never had spoken to him about it. He'd put us in there of his own accord, and it was a nice little boost for us. But over time, I found I have these very different segments of, of people who have become very avid followers. And we have the, the young go-getters, and then we have the older go-getters who want to stay ahead of the young go-getters. And then we had this huge base of uh, like really high-powered house mums, for want of a better term. Typically, pretty high net worth, very educated, very intelligent, very much I want the best for my family. Um, many of whom are ripped, and uh, they become some of our long-term 
customers. But we have a very high proportion of business owners and executives who are uh, like lifers for us. So it's interesting how we had these different sort of people who want the best but have come to us for slightly different reasons and slightly different ways. But so far, um, you know, seem to be staying the course. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just having having travelers, especially kind of people who are living this nomad lifestyle. And uh, I want to get into happiness with you, uh, of course, and kind of hear your your take on it, but people who are running a you know company like yourself from a, a treadmill desk in South America, I mean that's that's not easy to that's not easy to do, and you're going to take advantage of every uh, people like that are going to take advantage of every opportunity they can to be able to get ahead of the competition, and uh, this is actually how we connected. Is I did a post on. Facebook about what I do for jet lag and it was a really popular post and I had linked to the Athletic Greens fan page and I think yourself or somebody from your team had had seen that and sent me a message or liked it and I sent you guys a message I forget exactly how it how it went but uh, yeah that's that's the way I mean well I'll ask you this how does someone run a company from a, from a standing desk in, uh, in South America? Because that's a perfect example, right, of how obviously uh, the, world is, the world is changing and we're all connected by the internet. But uh, yeah, I'd love to get your take on kind of the nomad lifestyle and, and building a business uh, from anywhere. Well, mate, well, I think it fundamentally depends what people are trying to do. And if they're trying to drive the lifestyle first, and it's really just a drive to get over that initial whatever their sort of magic number is and sort of um, sort of profit per year to drive that lifestyle. I think the format that they may take would be slightly different from the one I took. I wanted to drive not just the lifestyle but a, a growing and thriving business on my terms. And uh, I basically I, I invest a lot of my time in making sure we bring on the right people, cultivate them, help them grow, challenge them and every single word I say I stick to with them. So I'm very lucky in that I have a, a bunch of people who report to me now who are literally world-class in a couple of different areas and uh, that allows me to live a pretty leveraged, um, how would you say? I have a very leveraged lifestyle in that, in that structure and you could do the same thing with technology on a company, um, absolutely, and we just I decided to go the people route because I, I just love people. and. Um, we obviously utilize technology well, but the virtual setup is, I mean, I have four direct reports and beneath them they have a horde of direct reports, but um, those guys, uh, I meet with them Mondays for an hour and then daily for, I do a one-on-one -on -one with each of them subsequently for an hour a week and then daily we have like a little 10-minute huddle and then in the early days I had every single hat in the business uh, and then it was sort of every single hat and then customer service sort of got taken care of and it's just as we grow I wear less and less hats and and I'm quite aware of what my strengths are as a business owner and operator and what my limitations are and I think probably my better strength is in leadership and trying to help people develop whereas there are definitely other people infinitely more organized with attention to detail uh, than I am so um, I mean, I've hired for those positions or tried to do joint venture for the for the parts that I'm I'm terrible at. And I think um, first having a crack at those parts to understand how they work, wearing all the hats is pretty important, and understanding 
how the whole setup works, but then rapidly either hiring um, in any format, contractors, uh, employees. Um, in, our, in our case, we've done a couple of multiple joint ventures with people who are world-class at what they're doing, which technically would remove an entire sort of part of a business and um, allow us to focus on what we're really good at, which is making a world-class product, keeping everyone on our world-class team really happy, and then making sure once we deliver that product to customers that they are extremely happy with the entire process. So those are that's kind of how my day structure manifests. That answers your question. No, that's that's awesome, and um, I I want to to ask you. I'll ask you in a minute here about exactly how you how you kind of structure your team and how you manage sure. growth and stuff like that. I honestly just because I need the advice because we're. We're six or seven people uh, right now on our virtual team, and it's starting to get tough to manage. And you know, you guys, I think you're about fifty right now. Is that right? Yeah, we, we have an expanded team, and okay. it's all it's all over the world. So I can't, I couldn't call those guys direct employees, but okay. like the number of people uh, who work with us or for us in some capacity would probably be pretty close to fifty. But the mate, the key with the virtual setup is. Um, I mean, the advocate of the virtual setup is culture is already, always and already a fundamentally important part of your business. And it is going to be an absolutely important part of your business as you try to scale and grow. In a virtual environment, the attention you have to take to maintaining your culture to an environment of um, absolute openness and sincerity and people being truth and upfront um, and an environment where people feel that if you are the boss and you tell them, look, anything that's going to make you feel unhappy, you must tell me, and you really encourage them to tell you, uh, and, and you stand good on your promise. So when they do tell you, you thank them for it, regardless of how happy you are to hear the news, because frequently it's because of me, and uh, take action on it. And I think over time, the more you can reiterate the importance of that culture to everyone on the team, and of course it is extremely important um, you know who you hire or who you bring on board or who you joint venture with, that the cultural elements uh, connect well. Otherwise, you can end up, mate, you have little bits of poison growing virtually as opposed to you know, people who just love what they're doing and who they're doing it for growing virtually. So I think in a virtual environment, culture is, people criticize it and say, how can you develop culture? I actually think you absolutely can. And the development of that culture is doubly as important as it would be in an office environment where people are frequently seeing each other and have the ability to you know, have a chat at the water cooler or ping pong table or at the car park, or whatever, and we don't have that. So it is quite important that as you as you grow, you format a, a an openness of communication within and across your organisation. No matter if it doesn't matter if it's a contractor, if it's an entire third party who has a couple of guys that work with you. I mean, you need to bring them in as much as you can and make them part of your team culture, because otherwise, I think as you scale that virtual element will actually make the control start to get pretty loose. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. We, for under 30 experiences, we try that. Uh, you know, yes, we're virtual, and today we happen to be in Copenhagen and Austin and uh, Chicago and North Carolina, and I can't remember where, and New York off the top of my head, but tomorrow we'll be somewhere, we'll all be somewhere different, um, but being able to kind of have that common set of values, and this is what we feel is important within our culture, and 
we might not see each other all the time, but we're going to meet up in Costa Rica this winter, or two of us are going to go to Bali on Thursday, or two of us are going to go here. Yeah, that really uh, building that culture and keeping it fun and, and happy. You said, so, you said something uh, that I think is really important as far as any relationship goes, or even just if you're within family or within your company, or uh, if you're in a relationship, just being upfront and forward about uh, squashing those, those poisons where you said, if there is absolutely anything that you're unhappy with, just let me know right up front. If there's something I'm doing that's making you unhappy, just let me know. Imagine you went into a relationship like that. That'd be a really nice, uh, that'd be a really nice precedent to start, don't you think? Absolutely. Well, the other catches, mate. So it started when I had one person reporting to me, and uh, she still holds me to that. And I think the, the the biggest thing is as a company founder or 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 any any executive who has any sort of team reporting to him. You're inherently in charge of the culture inside your little team, be it the whole team or the micro team, and you're going to get what you accept, and you're also going to get what you insist. Uh, you insist your team members give back to you. So there's a lot of people who aren't even employed by us who use the words "my company," "our company," "our business," "us," "we," "our" the, the whole time, which is hilarious. Man. I wonder what their bosses think sometimes, but. Um, because we do utilize a very heavy leverage sort of contract format, but that type of buy, emotional buy-in and then really aggressively keeping that communication open. And that does mean asking them, um, you know, the head check happens every week with every single one of my direct reports. And I make sure with every one of their direct reports, they are doing that same one-on-one. -on -one. So I think uh, there's a great book called The Four Disciplines of Execution by Covey and some, Stephen Covey and someone else. I can't remember. I apologize if that author is listening because it is a great book. And I highly recommend it whether your team is two people or 200 people or 2,000 people or if the entire thing is a completely outsourced component where the only person you're actually interfacing with may be someone who works for another company but that is your account rep or they handle whatever it is that you're trying to do. And if you can get the key people inside that team who you'd probably determine your direct reports, ideally into a, a call together, either at least weekly, but ideally potentially a larger one weekly and then a very small turbo one daily, uh, man, the buy-in you get from those people is great. You get chances to bring up problems and roadblocks, get brought up hard and fast and worked on immediately, pushed off the call and worked on after the call. and. I think the biggest tenements of success in business are picking the right playing field, which means it's what you're fundamentally trying to do, and then having the right people on your team and having those right people do the right thing. And I think very, very frequently people have the wrong people or have the right people doing stuff that doesn't really matter and is never really going to get you anywhere that they don't even believe in to begin with. So I think back to the, some of my friends who have stolen from the cubicle uh, landscape and they come on board and they speak to the people who work with and for us and they can't believe how, how actually important the outcome is personally to them. And it started you know, six years ago and it's reiterated by me uh, every single day and it's reiterated by their direct supervisor every single day. And I check. And if you end up with a supervisor on, on any shape or format who isn't as committed to the success of the people who report to them, 
that I am, then you're going to have a problem. But that's a great flow on information sort of feedback loop to try to find out just how is everything going. And once you start getting really good people in charge of executing an outcome, I found that I do best by encouraging them, ask them are there any roadblocks, making sure they're dialed in for whatever their top one or two goals are for the day, helping them remove any roadblocks, and then just getting the hell out of their way. I think, yeah, I think that's really important, having that, uh, as you called it, a, a feedback loop. Um, no, I think, that's, I think that's incredibly important. So for someone who is not, per se, building a, a big team, or a, yep. lot of our, our, a lot of our listeners are the, hey, I picked up some freelance gigs, or I have my side hustle, or I'm new to the consulting, I'm new to the consulting world, and, and a lot of people, uh, I hope Stephen Covey and his, and his buddy are listening who wrote that book, and by the way, all of our resources will be linked up in the show notes on under30co.com, the name of that book, and Rob Wolf, and, and that kind of stuff, um, but to, I guess to go, let's bring it back to, uh, to your friend who, who you mentioned, Tim Ferriss, uh, the author yes. of The 4-Hour Workweek. You guys seem to have a whole lot in, a, in alignment um, here with, okay, with the, the traveling the world and being able to build a business while uh, living the lifestyle that you want and chasing your own definition of happiness and not just society's definition of happiness uh, and staying fit and healthy and superhuman and the kind of stuff that you guys do. Um, but I'm curious just to kind of hear from your own experience how you dove into that world. Uh, I know that you were a, a trainer, but you're, you're, uh, you mentioned your parents brought you guys backpacking when you were little uh, because you grew up in an island like New Zealand and you got to get out uh, at some point. <laughs> there's, a lot of you know, there's a lot around you. Um, it's a great place to grow up, I'm sure, and to travel from. So, yeah, I'm curious to hear more how you got into that stuff. Well, my office, as we chatted a bit prior to uh, you hitting record, I, I was pretty, I'm quite lucky that I'm from New Zealand. And obviously, we are all pretty lucky if we're born uh, anywhere in the West. It's just, uh, we're really, I don't think many of us realize how lucky we are until, you know, we start to get extended exposure to some people who may, may be at the other spectrum of uh, how lucky they were with their parent selection. So, or, you know, and where they were, where they were born, et cetera, the opportunities that are therefore present for the taking versus... Um, at the other end of a massive mountain. But I was very lucky that my parents, both from New Zealand, very articulate, uh, very, very focused on trying to make sure we grew up as international citizens. And my dad was actually in the consultant category. And uh, he ended up doing a lot of work for companies looking to penetrate the Japanese market, like big companies at the corporate level. And he got a gig, a, a big gig, that had him sent there for five and a half, six years. And so he took us all with him. So I had a really cool experience. So basically, what was I like six to 11 and change, uh, living in Tokyo, which is a huge city, and then another eight months at age 15. But when we finished that period of time in Japan, uh, my parents were pretty determined that we got to see the world uh, as much as possible. And we literally spent a year backpacking. And I basically went big backpack on dad, medium on mum, right down to the tiny one of my eight-year-old sister uh, for a year, dude, 44 countries. Wow. And, and they intentionally exposed us to a fair bit of hardship, and we were in hostels before they were largely flea and lice-free. I mean, this was like 88, and um, mate, it was an amazing experience. And I think that kind of little bit of bug, first comfort with being uncomfortable, 
a joy of meeting the new and sharing new experiences and openness to realizing I mean, I'm from a country of four million people um, I'm a white dude from a country of four million people I, I am absolutely minority uh, in Japan and I was very much minority you know in Kenya and um, I think that this book mate we just found if you just go up to someone and smile and say how you doing I'd say 99% of the world's population will turn around and say hey I'm great how are you and just that willingness to go and experience that in different places, I'm very, very thankful for. But I had the bug, man. So literally when I built my first proper business, the one I had like a couple of goes to get us off the ground, but the first one that lifted off, uh, I, I tried to turn that into a lifestyle business as soon as I had it up and running, and all I ended up doing was just losing the business. But I basically went traveling the world by myself for two years, and um, I was actually on, on that trip that I met Timothy Ferris in Buenos Aires, and... Um, we just became mates, and he was in the process of trying to write his first book. And um, yeah, we just hit it off, and we've, we've stayed mates ever since. I've never asked him for anything business-wise, um, with the exception now we actually sponsor some of his podcasts on occasion. But other than that, I've never asked for him for anything, and just left the relationship pure, uh, just mates. But um, yeah, man, long-term travel or short-term experiential travel. I'm a big fan of both, and um, we discuss this on, on the call. So my two preferred formats for travel these days are either one, a heavily uh, cultured or cultivated experiential trip, so I'm turning up looking for a range or an intensity, going deep on one particular experience or one location um, or one environment, and that might be like flying to the Turks and Caicos and just hammering diving for five days on a liverboard. Um, or it might be the other type of sort of trip that I really like is the, the more extended stay, where I basically will park up for three weeks to two months in, in one spot and just kind of sit there. And when I do that, I, I work there. Right? That's not holiday. Uh, I just literally, I just move. So one of my favorite places to do that is the island of Florinopolis in Brazil, uh, where you go either um, you know, mid-November to mid-December or after you know, the mad rush is over at the end of January, unless you want the mad rush, and after Carnival, say mid-Feb, might park up there for a month or a month and a half, and I'll probably take a week of that completely off and unplug, and then the rest of the time I work, and it's the same format, it's internet, Skype, uh, and email, and you can do it anywhere, when we, we live in an age where we can do it, uh, we, we live in a remarkable age, man, we can do stuff our parents couldn't dream of because of technology, and maybe I go surfing every day, eat a crazy Brazilian barbecue every night, uh, you know, watch my girlfriend go pitch black uh, in the sun while I kind of go pink. And, mate, it's a, it's a, it's a great experience. Right? It's, and I highly recommend both formats of travel. I think for those starting out, go more the experiential um, route. And I think you guys do a great job of cultivating those type of experiences for people who may not either have the time to organize it or have the experience to sort of turn up and wing it and, and do it in a rewarding way, and I think over time, uh, cultivate the, you know a practice of realizing what would I have to do to run my consultancy or or run my small business in a format where I am location independent, if not all the time. How about for three months and out of a month every six months? Oh, sorry, three weeks out of a month every six months, because you could do that, and you could go to the beach for three weeks and just have a completely different life. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, there's a million different ways to, to structure it. You just have to be 
creative. I know a lot of people take advantage of that when their when their lease is going to be up. All right, put your stuff in storage and then take that money that you were you know if you especially if you're living in a city like New York or San Francisco, Absolutely. you can you can go a long way in the developing world on on that kind of rent and uh, I think that was one of my first trips is was taking um, we had, one of my first trips anyway was yeah just taking a month and just going to Costa Rica and just realizing, whoa, it's a it's a big world out there. And um, but you can you can set up shop and and work from anywhere. And this is yeah, this is absolutely absolutely possible. I'm curious to hear your take on the term lifestyle business because sometimes it gets I, I don't know. Sometimes I'm conflicted about this because people will. Uh, poo-poo lifestyle business and say, oh, you're not serious. You're just trying to, to hang out on the beach or I've spent the last three winters in Costa Rica. Well, you know, sometimes people are like, okay, well, that's, that's cool, but that's not sustainable. You're never going to build a, a super profitable company or you're not gonna, never going to build an asset or anything like that. So I'm curious as to, to what you think on that because obviously you're, uh, you're building something real. Well, mate, so I mean, I've done... I've done I built a couple of businesses. I've never like sold a business per se, and I'm not building this business to sell it. I'm building what I want to be involved in on, on a long-term basis. And um, you know, I've had a lot of pretty hard learning curves thinking that because I'm pretty good in front of people and selling something face-to-face that I'd therefore be pretty good at writing a page and selling something online. And the skill sets are not. Uh, there's some overlap, but there's not much, right? and, I, <laughs> and, I, and I suck at the same <laughs> And my forte is people, but I run an internet business. So I'd much rather, mate, sit down with you, have a cup of coffee, and you know, see what opportunities may lie, um, than, than try to do that via email um, any day of the week. But, uh, so I've had to learn, all right, well, in my lifestyle business, there are a couple of things I won't compromise on. One is my health, and that is the biggest thing. I say it's the most important, but it's the biggest thing because when things get dynamic and get exciting, it's very easy to get trapped in and suddenly find that instead of working an extremely intense four hours a day and then really chilling out and doing things that make you happy, you might work an extremely intense 12-hour day and find that you know you fall asleep fitfully and when you wake up, your brain's doing 100 miles an hour and now you go from sleeping eight hours a, eight hours a day and... You know, having a nice walk in the sun to sleeping four hours a day and trying to do 14 and very quickly that spiral um, which is so common to anyone in any format of business or or self-employment such as a consultancy which I encourage those guys to think of themselves as businesses and um, if they haven't already read Built to Sell by John Warrillo um, it's a great book um, but mate I think that we get in that trap and suddenly we're in a spiral that makes people miserable now if someone said to me, I, I'm not really interested in building a huge business and making you know, hundreds of millions of dollars or even $2 million, I, I just want to give myself a solid income that I can put half in the bank and the other half live on my terms and I'd like to structure my business that way, I think that is absolutely awesome. And there are some people who don't have the same value set where that would make them happy, who criticize that setup, and there, I have some friends who are driven by their joy of the game of business, where they will get up, read a business book, go for a run, listen to a business book, sit down, 
destroy a 10-hour day of business, maybe have a conversation with their girlfriend over dinner and end the night reading a business book and do that six days a week. And those guys love it. And they, they are driven by their chase for having a big monster company because they love the game. And some of, some of those guys I feel sorry for because they're driven by comparing themselves with their mate's business, which is a deadly trap. But the ones who just love the game, and I've got a couple of friends who have businesses in the very many hundreds of millions of dollars, and they probably, actually, that's not fair. I think those guys would actually understand that the fundamental difference between their business, which is not a lifestyle business, and a lifestyle business is the lifestyle business is driven so that you have the time to invest in what makes you happy. And the more leverage you can get on that, the better success is at the lifestyle business. And you might have a trade-off between, I just need 50 grand because I'm going to go park up on the beach in Vietnam, like as an annual income basis, to I'd actually like to have 500 grand so I can park up on the beach for six months, but I can go live in New York for six months and I can still bank half. And that's my goal. And I think you have to have a sliding scale between how much of your investable time, and we only have a set amount per day, are you investing on what set of activities? And the more lifestyle, lifestyle business, the heavier the weighting is to drive it on a leverage base, as much leverage as possible on your time so that you have more time available to invest on what makes you happy versus those who are really focused on driving really intense, bigger business, bigger business growth may still have an amazing lifestyle that they still will not compromise on, but they're investing a greater portion of their investable free time in growing their business. And that's the only difference. And there's no right or wrong, and I've been in both seats. That is, uh, that's really solid advice. I, I, I really like that. And I wanted to ask you and really dive into to happiness because people they end up chasing these rabbits or these illusions of happiness or that something will make me happy and, uh, oh, yeah, I want to go on Vietnam. Yeah, to Vietnam, and, yeah, you're probably going to be happy during that trip, but that's not for that's not for everybody, right? Or making that 500 grand and being able to afford your, your penthouse or at least a small penthouse in New York with 500 grand, uh, you know, that's... That's, that's a different uh, lifestyle and that's a different kind of version of, of happiness. But I'm curious if you have anything that would um, allow listeners to be able to figure out for themselves what happiness means. Uh, mate, well, it's a great question. It's also probably the hardest, um, hardest question to answer while you are sitting in a very high percentage of your investable time job that makes you miserable. Right, so it's a catch-22. I think those, and it would be very few of your listeners, I think, in this category. But those who are sitting in a, a job that makes them miserable, looking at a cubicle wall and a computer, wondering what is their reason for existence. And I've got a couple of these guys on our team now, and they're, they're amazing. And um, I think at some point need to sit there and go on. They should start by, at a minimum, start by doing some experiential travel, I think, is a great step. And then they need to go on an extended break. And extended break doesn't have to be expensive. Like you said, you can pack up all your crap, ideally sell it because you actually feel better, or at a minimum put it in storage and go off. Leave, leave your current frame of, uh, current sort of circle of comfort and, and go looking for some experiences in another place. And um, I think some people might sit there and say, all right, so I took two years off and I went a mini retirement. And this is before I knew 
uh, what the word meant, right? I, I met Ferris on my mini retirement. Sure, okay. And I, and I decided, right, I've worked my butt off. I've built this business up. It's making me a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. Um, I've you know built an okay net worth at the time. It seemed a pretty reasonable net worth, and it still is. And I'm no longer driven by building my business. I'm now driven by the sense, a sense of freedom and trying to figure out what am I passionate about. And literally, like I said, I, I just went backpacking, and I didn't do it on an expensive basis. And um, man, I don't have any regrets about what subsequently happened, but my business started to unravel while I was gone, and I ended up losing that business. And I didn't go back. I didn't want to go back. But what I did find is that after about nine months, I started getting mentally, I was realizing I'm no longer mentally challenged and I want to be more mentally stimulated and challenged. And uh, I started a business that I wasn't particularly passionate about because I was bored, right? Whereas this last business, um, I'd, I'd, done, I'd made that mistake. I'd built a business because I wanted to have a business and make money as opposed to uh, no, this business drove me to a, a deeper sense of values and self-realization. Uh, it didn't make me particularly happy. And then um, I got, you know, I, I, I had so many things go wrong. I had court cases go wrong. I had all sorts of things happen that um, sort of kicked me in the stomach. And I don't regret those learning experiences. They were very painful at the time because what they forced me to do was at a certain age in my life, and I was 32, 33, I wish I'd done it at 22, I sat down and said, what fundamental um, things make me happy? And one of the best examples I've seen of this is, oh man, uh, John DeHoyer. He's the founder of both Paul Mitchell Hair Care and Patron. And he's this funny looking dude with a ponytail. And he's like, I have four rules for business. And I think he literally said, um, do what makes you happy. Do it with people that make you happy. Do it for people. Uh, that make you happy, and do it in a way that makes you happy. And if you tick all those boxes, you attack it. And I think when those people are trying to sit there and determine, I don't know what my passion is, um, I think a period of time when they have a sufficient time to get a bit of introspection in, plus the ability to experience some new experiences, which is why I like travel, because when you step off the plane or boat or car in a brand new area where you know no one, uh, you're now forced out of your comfort zone and you're also free to explore um, expressing your personality in, in any way that makes you happy. Like you can, I see a lot of introverted people suddenly become pretty extroverted in how they approach people because, one, they're forced to, and two, they're no longer pigeonholed in what they were like in high school or college or what their mates think of them or whatever it may be that is kind of holding them back. And suddenly, they're in this little curve where they're exploring and looking for options as opposed to sitting there and bitching about uh, life being boring. So whether it's travel, where it's just a sabbatical, um, I prefer the travel uh, options, whether it's exposure to new people and new ideas through reading and ideally meeting them face-to-face, -face, if it's attending seminars or group events. Like, I, I, like, I like the idea of what you're doing where you're getting a lot of interesting people together who are like-minded for an extended period. And To me, where I've done a shit ton of travel, uh, the, the appeal of something like what you're doing would be, especially uh, you know, at an earlier start-out age, would be who am I going to be interfacing with and what sort of relationships could I form with these guys? And not from a what can I get out of them from a business standpoint? Because that's a that never goes anywhere. Um, but literally, like now you're being exposed to a group of peers who think like you do, and probably act a bit more like you do. And you're going to be a, have a ton of friends and family who think you're a weirdo because you want to go off and you know live in Vietnam for a chunk of time anyway. So I think if you can get yourself out of whatever your current uh, 
whatever your current patterns are of daily activity, be it through travel, moving, um, or exposure to new people for a short period of time, or going living somewhere else for an extended period of time, I think it'll do a great job for helping people try to figure out what is it that makes them happy, and therefore come up with a plan to try to get more of it. And again, I know I've been rambling for a while, mate, with my QX accent, but again, if you get uh, someone who comes out of that process and says, I, I can see an opportunity where I can leverage my time so that I'm investing, at the end of a year, I'll be investing six to eight hours a week, spinning the wheels to keep this, I'll spin the wheels, like slapping that little merry-go-round to keep the thing spinning around and around, and that will free up my time to do what I'm really passionate about. I don't, I really don't see a problem with that, man. I think that's kind of the fundamental push of the four-hour work week, and I think a lot of people who might enjoy that process of uh, growing a business and might get the bug and find that they actually finish uh, whatever get whatever threshold of income that they're looking for, it'll take more sweat than they realize. Uh, but it'll also, once they get on the other side, they'll look back and realize it was only their psychology that held them back to begin with. And they may find they actually really enjoy it. And suddenly, you know, they're quitting jobs or they're changing environments and they're really going after it from a business nature because they just love that. They love the baby that they've grown. Absolutely. And I think that people are so held back by their own psychology and also the people around them, the people around them, their psychology. And just like you said, the, this guy from, from Paul Mitchell was saying, sure, I want to be surrounded with other happy people. And that is my, you know, that's his definition of happiness or, or success. I think that's, that's very important. And yeah, these relations, I also really appreciate how you've mentioned that you want to surround yourself with like-minded people, but these relationships aren't forced. And uh, when we first started Under 30 Experiences, we brought together, and the trips were specifically for entrepreneurs, and they were a little bit more uh, more mastermindy and more, more networking type things. And what we realized at the end of the day, everyone just said, well, we didn't really care about talking about business too much. We just wanted to, you know, maybe we'd sit in the jungle and, and discuss some things, but we just wanted to get to know other people who were in similar situations that we are, and especially in that 20, 21 to 35-year-old age bracket, which Under 30 Experiences is aimed after, uh, that's, you know, people just want to hang out and have fun and take a break, and yeah, the, the conversation may lead to business, but um, you get to really understand and appreciate another person and then see what common synergies you have. I think that's super important. I, think, I, I agree, man. I think if people go to your, your events or any events and they go with a view towards I'm excited to potentially meet people who just think about the world more similar to the way I do than perhaps their current network of friends and family back home, then that, that would be the number one. Uh, I, I see events that I go to on a cost per lead for a friend basis. right? So mm. the best CPL I've ever invested for friend cultivation other than you know a couple of trips randomly to like places like Argentina and uh, to the beach in South America have been uh, I got invited to an event called Summit Series, which is um, was pretty cool. And it, as a New Zealander who'd sort of moved to the U.S., it, it exposed me to a lot of people who were doing very interesting things. And obviously, I didn't get on great with everyone, but most everyone there was interesting. And I didn't go with any view towards. Um, trying to foster a business relationship because my business literally had not even started. And that was the great lesson. And I took from that lesson is if I go to any of these events, I'm going to look for friends 
uh, in terms of the networking part. And it's not like attending a trade show where your goal is to hook the big retail fish. I mean, that's a different, uh, different setup, say, if that's what your goal is. No, I'm talking about attending some event where there are other people there, be it a mastermind, like such as the ones you've attended, or the events you're trying to cultivate, which is other dynamic people on the young side who are getting out there trying to explore life on their own terms and create their own life on their own terms in an entrepreneurial setting, uh, potentially, but at a minimum, just in terms of how they want to live their lives. And hanging out with those people is really empowering. And it's something I think um, you, know, you should be able to offer, I think, as you, as you go forward, um, offering those experiences to people. I, th I don't know if this is the feedback you've got, but my guess is uh, a lot of it would be a great event, but a huge amount would be, man, uh, Matt really helped me meet some awesome people who actually think more similar about the opportunities the world's present that I do, even if they're from a completely different part of the world. Yeah, absolutely, and that's why we, we call it a travel community and not a travel company, or we just, we even, uh, uh, in the beginning, they were events, and now we just say, all right, let's go on a trip. We're just going with other cool, awesome people in awesome places, right? That's been our tagline for the last few years is because that's all it is. It's, it's very, very simple. So, um, no, I, uh, I appreciate that, that sentiment, Chris. And also about Summit Series, I was thinking about this the other day. We've been, uh, we've been kicking around how, how else we know each other. And, uh, and you ran into, ran into a buddy of mine, Brandon Epstein, who's been on the podcast and, uh, and stuff like that. But also... My uh, Summit Series in Miami, maybe 2011, I think. On the, on the boat? Were you on the boat? Not on the boat. On the one pre the boat. Two, 2009, that was. Wow, that was uh, that was early. Okay, 2009. Damn. Um, anyway, Tim Ferriss did a, a presentation there, and I think I think that we had met just briefly, you and I. Interesting. Well, yeah. Mate, dude, I need to see a better photo of you. But, mate, th yeah, that was the... I love that event. I think actually think that was the coolest of the summit events. And I met, um, like I met so many interesting people in a new, new environment. And I really think that at that event, they did a great job of trying to curate that, come and meet people with, without any preconceived ideas. And I know they got another one in November, um, which is going to be you know, another thousand-person boat. Not quite the same, but probably still pretty enjoyable but I think what you're trying to do with your guys the uh, awesome people awesome places is, is a great move man it's great for you too because um, you know the ones you turn up on you get to meet to cultivate your own friend network which is literally how Summit Series evolved and it's just entrepreneur like yourself who said I need to meet more people who think you know in a more interesting way about the world and like he just he just went for it. So kudos to you, man, for for going for it in the spaces. No, for sure. It's funny to hear uh, how these different these different networks just grow and and snowball and uh, and stuff like that. Um, okay, so Chris, we're kind of, we're coming kind of up on the end. I did want to ask you about uh, about health, as everyone talks about health and happiness, right? And uh, those are two of your your core values. And you know, I know you have the the product product of core that athletic greens and it gives you all your nutrients um but i'm i'm curious as to if you have any just overarching tip for someone who wants to increase their performance or, or forget increasing performance right it's all that's very uh, that's a very entrepreneurial metric driven based approach someone who just wants to be more happy what can they do for for their own health well mate, i think the connection between um eating pro-inflammatory foods, which foods that make you inflamed. And if you've ever been seriously bruised or banged up, that kind of sore feeling, 
that's what we're talking about, but at a systemic level. And the connection between gut health, and by that I mean both the integrity of your gut lining and your microbiome, which is basically the nearly 100 trillion cells of bacteria that happily live away inside of you, um, have a connection both on your physiology, which is you know, how your body functions, and also your psychology and how you think. So for those chasing happiness, be it because they want to feel energetic or if they just want to feel good, I would advise people to eat in a manner that is uh, not full of pro-inflammatory foods and to eat in a manner that uh, protects as opposed to decimates their gut lining and you know improve their microbiome. And then it's just a matter of determining, okay, what what are they trying to achieve from a health and fitness standpoint? If it's they want to get huge or they want to get lean, you can adjust a few elements there. But basically, it would be a focus on real food, avoid anti-nutrients, um, and I'm not a fan of gluten or wheat in any shape or capacity. And for most people as well, they need to go and extend a period of time without uh, any other cereals, probably without any legumes, and most people without um, dairy. Just get a little reset, and many people scoff at that, but I haven't met one person who's done it for at least 30 days who didn't subsequently then start to reintroduce foods and find that they had some intolerance that they may not have realized it but was making them miserable. Mate, just take those, take, take those steps and then once you try to figure out what is the format that makes me feel amazing, you know, just, just stick to it. You don't have to stick to it 100% you know, religiously. It's probably an 80-20 or 90-10 for most things and there will be some things that are absolutely out of the gate such as myself. I'm completely gluten intolerant and I, I won't eat it unless, you know, unless by accident which will make me miserable but I do those and I, I obviously still work with guinea pigs and um, I mean my, my last two girlfriends have started off chubby and then won modeling competitions just you know out the bat and it's not because I'm particularly uh, gifted but I, in terms of the training side of things but literally it's just this process freaking works if you just go and do it and that would be my advice to everyone listening to this call, man, is if you haven't yet, consider a paleo format reset where you literally remove um, what could be problematic foods, whether you feel like they're problematic or not, do it for an extended period of time, 30, 60, 90 days, then start reintroducing those foods and sort of see how you feel, um, say, after you reintroduce butter for three days. It'll be the only thing that reintroduce, and it might be butter at the end of 30 days or no dairy, grains or legumes. And... First day you might feel nothing, second day you might feel nothing, third day you might start to find that your skin changes and you feel a bit achy, or you might be completely fine and butter's in the good box and you're off and you can add uh, something else. So I did that and I know what my never again list are, I know what my sometimes list are and I know what my, I can probably get away with these um, more often than not sort of list and I know what my completely benign go for it list are and that's change alone and I obviously turbocharge it because, you know, I'm, I cheat. I take the greens with me everywhere. And I think most of your listeners, man, will, will have a very, very different feeling about their bodies at the end of 60 days. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, we definitely encourage people to, again, in the show notes, we can link up Rob Wolf, who is like the, the paleo guru. He's um, He's such a nice guy, man. If you ever get a chance to get him on a call, I highly recommend He's hilarious. Yeah, that would be awesome. I hear, he's, uh, I hear he is, is actually walks the talk and is superhuman. So, uh, well, he's, yeah. also, he's also super smart and full of energy, and he really is driven by a desire to help the planet. And a lot, of, a lot of people kind of make noises about that, but I've, I've had him on the phone multiple times, and 
Right. Not not once has he ever even sniffed at anything other than being completely genuine. That's awesome. That yeah. that's really cool. Uh, yeah, definitely definitely encourage people doing their own explore, uh, exploration okay. there. And um, r- real quick, as I know we're starting to wrap up, any food you mentioned anti nutrients and foods that caused inflammation. I know you listed a couple, uh, but uh, is there, yeah. are there any that you can just tell people other than wheat and gluten just like cross sure. it off your list sure sure so if it comes in a box and it has multiple ingredients um and i'm talking about any sort of processed food you probably don't want to eat it so typically we're talking make every meal a sequence of, of whole foods and that means your grandmother could look at it and go that's a broccoli that's a piece of steak that's a banana right <laughs> and, and and eat that and avoid uh the grains or legumes and dairy like i said and particularly avoid, probably ahead of everything else, the two categories would be processed vegetable oil. So that's anything that cooks or touches um, processed soy, corn, uh, sunflower oil. Those things, are, that, that just make, they can really mess you up over time. They just make you inflamed and, and miserable. And avoid processed sugars as well, which obviously we all get addicted to a little bit of sweetness every now and again. So I find it works best for people to just go cold turkey for a chunk of time. Um, or have a format whereby they get a cycled cheat day where they can do what they want for a chunk of time, like the old Ferris, you know, every seven days you get to do what you want. But if they can remove the vegetable oils, the refined sugars, and then I'll just say at, at a minimum the wheat, and you're already on a good path. Like things will start to, for most people, that they should start to feel better within about three or four weeks. Absolutely, and it's it's worth mentioning that this type of eating and this type of uh, "Quote unquote diet, really. It's a, it's a lifestyle. I don't like the term. I don't like the term diet, um, but I think it's really worth mentioning that this stuff, this type of stuff, can be very, very fulfilling. Can be very, you can get, trigger your sweet tooth, and it can actually be good for you, like the the dark chocolates and the coconut oils, and uh, that the you know the the raw organic honey and stuff like that. So all of that, um, you still can have a sweet tooth. We, we sweet tooth. We don't mean to ruin your life, but uh, yeah, a- absolutely. No, I agree. And one other one other traveler question. Uh, uh, Chris, before we wrap up, do you have any advice? You mentioned gut health, gut health, but for probiotics, I'm going to Bali at the end of the week, and you know I've had food poisoning in South America, as I've uh, mentioned to you. So it'd be nice to keep my gut healthy while I'm over there, it being introduced to a completely different uh, type of bacteria and just uh, different foods. Um, I'm curious if you have anything for us. Well, yeah, man. So, first of all, I, I don't recommend the first three to seven days of uh, of a trip, especially the first three that people decide, right, I'm on holiday, it's time to start pounding donuts uh, and everything else. Because that's typically when you're on a plane, you're on a test tube full of bugs, you're sharing recycled air with, you know, 100 to 300 people. Most people are tired. That's not a good time to put lots of little holes and stress in your digestive system. So, I'd keep your eating very, very clean. My advice... Uh, to you would be, we have a probiotic, um, but you could also go anything broad spectrum on Amazon and potentially look at buying a beneficial yeast called Saccharomyces boulardii. And um, I think loading the all of those starting like a week prior to when you leave. I take athletic greens up to like four times a day the week before a big trip. And then the first sort of three or four days that I'm gone and I haven't had travel sickness now for 
a really long time and I was a really sick guy. Like even, even now, if I, if I miss a night's sleep, I'm the first guy to get a cold. But I just don't go that next level down the down the toilet, so to speak, mate. And I'd do that. And if you tolerate Sarcomedes boulardii, uh, that may help you dramatically with the gut health. It's a beneficial yeast. It's not actually a bacteria, but I find that about one in three people get diarrhea from it, and it, like quite bad diarrhea. So it's not something I'd say try for the first time. You know, when you hop on the plane. Ah, uh, yes, that, yeah. is, that is wise advice. Okay, yeah, cool. so, so yeah, man, so I'd wash your hands off and I'd bring your AG use up to two, at least two a day. It's probably the only time in life I recommend like you get really sort of anal about keeping your hands super clean. Um, would be like super clean, like as in like alcohol wipes would be on the travel. I wouldn't eat anything if you think it has the tiniest chance of having uh, wheat in it if you've gone extended period without wheat before. Uh, definitely, and I notice so often, like when I travel with paleo buddies, that we'll go and we'll go in a group, and we'll land there, and then like there would have been someone coughing behind us on the plane, and then the three or four who you know just happily pounded the pastries or whatever, those are the ones who get sick, and the rest of us just to stay. And I think it's because the integrity of our gut lining makes it very hard for those bacteria to get into our system, which is of course the way it's designed. But you could take me down the rabbit hole with that conversation, man. But yeah, so eat clean. Take your AG, investigate multiple options of board spectrum uh, and uh, probiotics from, from say, Amazon. Um, consider Sarcomedes uh, Bulati, which is a beneficial yeast, but definitely check it before you get on the plane. And then mate, get a couple of days in a trip before you start going to town on uh, parties, uh, shit food, or anything else, so that you're basically on the other side of any high exposure risk to to bacteria. Another thing you can do, man, is you consider a nasal rinse as well. So you want to make it as hard for a bacteria to get into your system and set up home as possible until you're on the other side of the rough part. That's awesome. That's uh, a lot of actionable, a lot of actionable stuff. And I'm going to, uh, yeah, I'm going to try out most of that, uh, that stuff as well. And again, we can link up the, the resources if people are scribbling down notes or, or anything like that. And like you mentioned the party, it, there's, when you go away, especially if you're going away with your buddies, someone always wants to drink and, uh, you know, the airport bar is not going to support your, your immune system. That's, that's for sure. So I, uh, yeah, I hear you that. Okay, so Chris, I want to ask you, uh, just as we, as we wrap things up, uh, what if, if people are listening out there and they want to uh, really take some steps into chasing their own happiness, uh, what do you got for them? Uh, man, well, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm biased. I encourage them to go to one of your events because what I sound like, they sound like a great way to jumpstart the, the sort of experiential living process. I recommend they do a, uh, an eating reset. I'd love to see them come visit us on our website and take Athletic Greens a go. And most importantly, read my bloody emails when I send them to you after you order because I will give you literally step-by-step -step instructions on how to live a cleaner, healthier, more high-energy life. And, and that's pretty much it, man. I don't really blog or talk business or travel, um, but I do appreciate the chance to have a chat to you today, man. I really enjoyed it. So thank you very much for having me on your show, brother. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you got it, Chris. Where can, uh, where can other people here, uh, just if they want to get on that mailing list, where can people find you? Uh, probably the easiest way is to go to athleticgreens.com and then just enter their data like they're going to order and then leave and we'll actually have your email. Just don't opt out um, of the first emails we send you about when we said, like, what happened? Why did you leave the checkout? 
Uh, just like Amazon, we've learned that a lot of people leave halfway through the process, and sometimes it's a tech glitch, and sometimes they just had some more questions. So you will get a few emails, but then you'll basically be on the email list. And if you subsequently do that and then ping a email to our, just reply to any one of the emails you get saying, please send me the 30-day reset, um, that's normally just something we give to our customers, but I'll happily give it to any one of your guys that, that ask for it. Awesome, sounds good, and I can't recommend uh, going all the. Uh, can't recommend enough going all the way through the buying process. We have the same thing actually on under thirty uh, experiences. Is people fill out all their information to book a trip, and then they back off for whatever reason, and we, you know, we go back to them and say, "Hey, what's what's the deal?" And uh, yeah, usually they just have a few more questions. But Chris, we appreciate you. Thank you for being on. Hey, Matt, thank you so much for having me, man. And, uh, mate, wish you all the best on your upcoming trip to Bali. Hope you have a blast. I, uh, I certainly will, uh, will, will do that, do my best, and uh, keep myself healthy on the way over there. Sounds good, mate. Have a great one. Thank yeah, you, you too. Hey, did you enjoy today's episode? If you did, I have a quick favor for you to ask. We are trying to spread the Live Different mentality, the mission right now, so other people can take advantage of all the stuff that you just got to hear about. If you could go to iTunes and leave a review and a rating, this will help us get on the iTunes new and noteworthy list, and that way a bunch more people can hear about what we do over here at the Live Different Podcast, so I really appreciate it. If you want to share it, please do. Give it to a friend in need. That is what we want to do, and uh, keep doing good stuff. I appreciate it. Thanks.